0: Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street. It's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome to the Red Team Reviews podcast. Thank you for listening to uh, uh our podcast called the Red Team Reviews. All right. Yeah. Okay. End of Women's Month. Let's uh show it out with a big old bang. Here we got a kind of a sleeper hit episode planned, uh, which we will get into in just a second. Uh, I, the voice you're currently listening to, am the voice of TJ Patrick, uh, also known as the Dorothy of the two of us. Joined by the, and I'm not even gonna guess. I'm just, I'm actually for once gonna let you say your own.
1: Oh, oh! If you're gonna make me say my own, I am none of the Golden Girls. Let's oh, be wrong. real. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point where I before Princess I had ever watched Diana. it, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I am, and my lover is Dodi al <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> got the Mulaney reference out of the way. I quick. was gonna say, yeah. This there's a lot of Mulaney we can do with this. I don't think we should. I don't um, think we should either. <laughs> because yeah so i I mean if you if you live in a cave um tj has been referencing golden girls which is the rejecter renew but before that we're gonna talk about one of the i mean honestly like every time we talk about something recent it's like flabbergasting it's like oh this came out like three months ago two months ago um (laughs) we're gonna talk about uh the who it's straight to hulu right i'm not crazy it was like it was indie theaters in hulu right
0: I believe so. I don't kay. recall this being a theatrical release.
1: I think it. Uh, I think there was a theatrical release, but it's like only by like me. Like when I right. go to like, like Angelica Film Center in Soho. Like it's like, probably not there.
0: worldwide.
1: Like, right? Not exactly. Nation,
0: national. Like yeah.
1: I mean, we, it's it, more than national when it's streamed. But yeah, Spencer. Uh, Spencer, starring uh, Kristen Stewart. Can I just? Can we just acknowledge that this month we will has been so no. Just just this month has been justice for the stars of twilight between (laughs) between kristen stewart getting nominated for spencer (sighs) nominated for an academy award for spencer deservedly the nomination at the very least it makes total sense yes i'm so Um, proud
0: of this person i've never met
1: um (laughs) but even then i mean come on in the or in the mid 2000s we were all just like there were so many of us there were those there were those who loved everything they did ever and then there were those of us who were like oh these two son of a bitch they were
0: the they were the Taylor Swifts of movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm. there's too many people who listen to this are going to get pissed off at that. Um,
0: <laughs> I don't care,
1: <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, that's the shit you do because both of them are so incredibly talented in what they do outside of these movies that it, it, it really sucked that that movie made it such a long trek for them to get to this point. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't really know what else to say except because it's a now new movie I... we don't we don't really have that much to say about well, yeah, it. Yeah, no, like, there's no
0: history. But... There's no.
1: I mean, what's your history with uh, what is your history with Princess Diana? Where were you? Um...
0: <laughs> I li- you want to know my history with Princess Diana? Before I watched the movie, I googled Princess Diana.
1: Really? Okay, I've listened to a few I... podcasts about her.
0: I only legit. I legitimately only knew anything about her throughout. Pop culture reference osmosis.
1: Like, it's. And half the time, it's about. Half the time, we talk more about the tragedy of her death than her actual life. In that. And even then, that is like bits and pieces of complex information between the way that she was one of the. At least one of the first in our public consciousness to like expose like the rigidity of the royals and all the fucked up stuff around that. But also. Like she was one of the biggest, uh, like most outspoken people for helping, uh, you know, helping during the AIDS crisis, just because like she got connected with that community and and was one of and it was scandalous for someone like that to be outspoken and and try to help those people and visit those people in the hospital. And so it's like it's so complicated. Like I have a note in in here that's more or less like you know Americans love the Royal weddings. Like that was something we saw over the past like five years or how long, how long has Kate Middleton been in that family? The past I, 10 years, maybe even closer to 12 years, the two Royal weddings were huge in America. And that was kind of the extent of our fascination with Royals until most recently with them, with, uh, Megan and Harry, uh, you know, uh, not what, what's the word, um, abdicating, um, and, and of so, course
0: the pop sensation Royals by Lord. Of course,
1: that was that was a bad joke. <laughs> oh <like laughs> my! Um, oh, you would know. I would know <laughs> what a bad joke you? is. <laughs> I would absolutely know what a bad joke is. Um, but yeah, so uh, like up until like that's the most scandalous thing to kind of happen in that world recently. But it's one of those things where like. The way Meghan Markle feels is a direct descendant of all the things that Princess Diana couldn't say and could only be hinted at through the tabloids and after people talking about her life after the fact. And and we don't get a lot of direct stuff. And then we have this movie because the crown is meant to be like that kind of. The Netflix show The Crown is meant to be that like we're going to go through stages of the contemporary monarchy and make it into a drama um, and make it into a series where we can like pick apart little things. This is definitely something very different with what they're doing with this movie, Spencer, because I don't know if you got this sense, but I got like my third note in fourth note in and I was like, huh, this music, this like discordant jazz and the way that they joke about them killing her for her behavior, and the way the camera follows Kristen Stewart the entire time, I'm like, oh, are they going with, like, a horror movie angle to this? Because if so, I dig it. I don't know if you picked up on that.
0: I wouldn't say horror, but definitely, like, psychological thriller, yeah. Because, you know, this film does not shy away from depicting... Aspects of mental illness and talk, talking very openly about Absolutely. that, talking very openly about eating disorders and very much showing that, um, and that genuinely I was this close in an audio medium, <laughs> I was this close to just watching the movie without actually looking up anything about princess diana and i'm glad that at the last second i was like okay you know what yeah i will actually look a little bit into who this person was so in case they reference this thing or that thing or this thing or that thing because i had zero clue how big that aspect was uh and then i read offhand and on wikipedia that she had suffered with bulimia and i was like Oh, okay. And then the movie, like, has a lot about that. I was like, oh, it's a good thing that I that I definitely looked this up beforehand. Otherwise, I would have been wondering the entire time. I'm like, how much of this? And to be fair, there still was a, a, essentially a bit of, like, okay, how much is real? And how much is fiction? Because the film is very upfront, saying that, like, this is a fictional fable about a true tragedy.
1: Like Yeah, I think everything when she's alone can be taken as as like metaphor. And why did I say it that way? I was going to say metaphorical and I said metaphor and so it didn't sound right. Um metaphor. Uh, everything that everything when she's alone can be taken as a metaphor, also because, like, quite literally, a lot of the cinematography does that. Um, yeah. Whereas I am fairly certain her dishing her security detail to go back to where her original house was for this particular Christmas just before she kind of starts saying fuck you to um, Charles is because uh, I don't know if you knew this, like, Charles and Ca- I forget her last name, Camilla um that is like essentially after this point in her life that we see it's almost acknowledged publicly that they are just basically not together obviously they're still married um and you know they're still the royalty of it but like he very much is not in love with her he has a mistress he's very public with that mistress it's all over papers and she also then starts essentially she's kind of sitting there like well I don't know what the fuck to do, which is touched on a lot in this movie because there's expectations of me, but there's different expectations of him. And so this is, this movie is part of that kind of, this movie is kind of that cocoon for her in finding the, finding the ways that she can then be free to this thing that she is permanently tethered to, whether she likes it or not. Um, so trying to fill in the gaps. Cause I don't know how much, you know, um,
0: yeah, I did. I did look up that, like you know, um, I think I just through osmosis knew that there was a thing with like, you know, there was a mistress, there was an affair, obvious. And yeah, I think something. I don't know if it's maybe it was the crown or some other media that depicts like the whole like, oh, it was, with, it was a three person marriage. Like, I yeah, there's a whole I season of the
1: crown about that.
0: Yeah, I had heard that through osmosis, even though I've never watched The Crown. So
1: neither have I. I just know that. Well, I also yeah. one of the most uh, one of the most viral TikTok sounds is whoever plays Prince Charles uh, being like, essentially they're having an argument, and he's like, "Camilla is who I'm committed to. Camilla is who I want. She's not your wife, and you, uh, not, not not your wife." He's, and he dismisses her and he goes she goes not the mother of your children and he said don't bring in the boys to do this and then he just starts shouting I refuse to be some, like I don't even remember the actual but anybody who knows TikTok is gonna go oh yeah that was a sound anyway moving on um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like as I was going through it I was like Trevor you don't remember enough of this dialogue to keep going <laughs> bail 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 <laughs>
0: um, but essentially this is a rare time I think this was simultaneously a very good choice and a very bad choice for a the podcast but b specifically to go ahead of a reject or renew because one th- we don't really need to go through the plot of the mo- th- like the plot is it's christmas with the royals that's it like
1: yeah you it know is a- everything else
0: Everything else is going to be like discerned from just us talking about it. Like,
1: yeah, it is. It is a one of those. It is a, you know, close setting movie where you essentially put a bunch of people in a kiln and see what happens. Um, But we're I mean, like the movie is hyper focused on her um, in Mm -hmm. the way that it's shot, in the way that the script unfolds to the point where like a note I had was that we don't even see the queen even though she curtsies to the queen coming down to dinner and we don't see the person playing the queen until there's a completely dis- separate shot of the queen about to take her first sip of soup. And I'm like, Oh, that's really interesting because like a different stone, a different tone of movie would not have focused on the back of your main character curtsying to somebody in a chair. They would have absolutely shown the queen at dinner and then her coming in late and then just sipping and it- slipping into her seat. But that like the choice to, film the movie the way they filmed it uh, makes all the difference in showing us like the way I watched this with Leela, who if you listen to the past two episodes was just in our March Madness episodes. Hi Lila. Um, and Leela Lila said uh, that it feels like we are the paparazzi following her. And I was like, Ooh, that's a really good metaphor.
0: I, I also like uh, now that uh, you've reminded me of the scene, it is very much from that angle. Like they mentioned multiple times in the movie It's almost as if she's curtsying to the throne itself, not Mm -hmm. the person, because there's a lot of that in the movie of like, well, yeah, you swear an oath to the crown. You, you know, what matters is the title, not the actual person, because we're not allowed to be people. We're not supposed to be people to these to the people that we serve. Um, And it's very much a thing of like. The symbol is almost More important than Whoever is playing the queen
1: Well the actor who plays Peter Pettigrew In Harry Potter um, Is the (laughs) central antagonist I I, I didn't look up his name I'm sorry but I'm sure you're a wonderful (laughs) British actor But there's something about America Where we just we don't learn your names Um, uh, Is a central antagonist Yes that's right Um, Is the central Antagonist he also is much Seems much taller when not compared to like Alan Rickman (laughs) Um, and, and Gary Oldman, uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, he's the central antagonist, and I don't know if this was a real person, this might have been a real person, but they, like, bumped up the drama with it, he's essentially her overseer, he is the one who is pulling all the strings of all her servants, and making sure that the Queen's wishes of Princess Diana are fulfilled in that she doesn't make a scene that she's never seen. Like they there's all the suspicion on her having an affair when it's really Charles. So they block out her curtains so that paparazzi can't take pictures of her. Um, And that's another aspect that I'll get into as I like touch on some of my notes is like how the crown is subsequent, like is simultaneously like disdains her behavior, but also hates the way that she gets more attention than them, it's fascinating. Um, but I, I feel like I have to get like reorganized and start my notes from the beginning. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, let's talk about the movie. Um, I st- With the, with all the military trucks coming in in the very beginning of the movie, I literally had to pause and go, wait, hold on, did I click the wrong movie? What movie am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> Is this Iron Man? Uh- <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. I was like, "Wait, is this set? When is this set?" Because that, that was another frustrating thing about the movie in general. We get one like description title the entire fucking movie. And it's when it says, like, oh, Boxing Day, um, when she wakes up after the big montage. Well, the
0: first one is Christmas Eve.
1: Right. There's, like, two. But I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. I'm not British enough to know this location. I, I This doesn't feel like Kensington, and I know Kensington is, like, their normal home. It's obviously not Buckingham Palace. Um, And so, like, what? where is this place? I don't know what this place is. I'm too American to know. Um, and I don't even remember what the name was. Leela looked it up, and I was just like, oh, it's." and she's like, it's their Christmas home. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's, I hate... I hate everything about the fact that there's a world Christmas, a word called Christmas home, and it's that fucking big. Fuck the fuck the monarchy, um, <laughs> and it was a lot of tension. It was a lot of tension to see those boxes get carried in by military, you know, by by members of the military, and it's just food. And it's like, oh, I get what you're doing now because you need to set up the fact that like every intricate detail of the lives of the monarchy, especially at this time is planned and coordinated and regimented and nothing can fall flat, which is, I think why the, the chef character is so important because it shows this whole entire other side of the backdrop of princess Diana without even, without even dwelling too much on the other Royals. It shows the underbelly of like, here are some servants who maybe aren't the ones being tugged at and manipulated, but can still show the opulence because uh, like the, by the time we get to the third time, this chef is listing out what the meal is going to be. I think it's like the Christmas dinner meal. Um, and he's listing off everything that they're making. And by this point in the film, he'd done that so much that I was like, I was a little bit nauseous. I was like, this is nauseating how much fucking stuff there is for maybe 15 people. Maybe. And it's so wasteful and opulent and everything has to be perfect. I was just like, ooh, yeah, no, the movie's doing its job very well here because I'm just like, I don't, I don't like this whatsoever. Uh,
0: One thing I will say about the opening shot, which, by the way, just a general note for this movie, the editing and cinematography is very clickbait, uh, not clickbait, Oscar bait, is very Oscar bait. Like, I think that's almost a genre now in it of itself. Yeah. Of like if a movie looks like this and it's edited this way, it's 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 definitely got that Oscar bait type of
1: feel. It's uh it's that debate that we've had with friends of is it a movie or is it a film? <laughs> and in a way, the Oscar bait movies are the ones that you go, "Oh, people would call those a film."
0: Right. Like and I think There are times where that style, it it serves whatever movie it's in. And then there are times when that style is kind of distracting and it's like, it just just adds more to the thing of like, if you're watching, you know, a movie like, and I'm going to reference a movie I haven't seen, so just take it with a pinch of salt. But if you're watching a movie like fucking Green Book and it's just like, this is Oscar bait. I already know this going in, but you don't have to double down on that with like, you know, all of this. For this movie, there were times where it worked, and then there were times where, especially at the beginning, the very beginning of the movie, I was just like, this could this scene could have been this we could have had a cut like 15 ass whole ass seconds ago. Like, a lot of scenes feel more dragged a bit because it's this particular style.
1: And they really I'm like their even, wide shots.
0: It's... Yeah, some of them are wide shots, but I remember the first time I thought this officially, like, it was the first weigh-in, and mm-hmm. it was basically us being introduced to, again, the principal antagonist. And he was like, oh, he's early, but she's late. And, you know, obviously it's setting up that, you know, uh, what's-his-fuck? Charles is here. Fucking Charles. Uh, Charles is here and then it shows him hearing the cars outside him stopping what he's doing with the weigh-in and then going to walk towards the front door. And we just follow all of that in a single shot. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But like,
1: (laughs) yeah, the movie was two hours and maybe it didn't have to be,
0: (coughs) but going back specifically, um, the opening shot with the caravan going past the stationary camera, I feel like they did this on purpose because my immediate first thought going, piggybacking on your thing of like, oh, the, you know, kind of not title cards, but like, you know, kind of setting car, uh, setting titles don't have a lot of information. It just says Christmas Eve. So me not knowing a lot about Princess Diana, With all that in mind, I was just, I had the split second wondering of like, is this the funeral? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I feel like that was a little on purpose.
1: (laughs) Well, no, and that was another thing that tripped me up because I was like, oh, Kristen Stewart still does look pretty young. And I don't know what age Diana had both the boys. And when I saw the boys and how old they were, I was like, oh, wait, so when does this take place? What is, what what, at what point are we at? And so it takes me all the, it takes, it takes up until them introducing the pearls for me to really track like, okay, this is where we're at. This is where we're at in our
0: life. I think it is purposefully, it was an act, it was a decision to be like purposefully vague of like exactly what year. So they could kind of be a bit I think the uh, logistical reason is so they could be a bit flexible with certain things that they want to include. And then the artistic reason is so that, you know, it's almost as if... I mean, almost as if it doesn't matter. And then it's also kind of like it gets to blend things. And so it's like every it's like this adds to the feeling of like every year is the same. It's all the same, yada, yada, yada. And it just kind of adds to everything. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, and also in that establishing moment, we also see a dead pheasant that they all drive over every single, we watch every single car drive over it. And I'm like, so in a way, maybe it is acknowledging the funeral, um, with the way they compare her to a pheasant later on. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of, and I will touch on that in a more general note, uh, later on but it is absolutely like it's there's a lot of things that are definitely done on purpose which is you know at least it's part of why i went out of my way to go ahead and go like you know what yeah 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 yeah. let's just go ahead and uh look up let's just go ahead and look up you know, some basic information because I feel like they're going to do that. They're going to pepper in some things here and there, and I don't want things to fly over my head and confuse me kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and there's a few other things in, like, I don't recall exact timelines, or, like, there, there are a lot of those who follow, like, it's almost like journalistic history when you look at the the trajectory of Princess Diana because you're talking about specific tabloid releases most of the time that then affect their lives. And I think the whole deal with the Pearls, and the dresses really are our way in this movie into that world where it's like she's always her whatever she's wearing is always being talked about and it's never what she wants until later. And like, I think very soon after this is this the fiasco with like this black dress that she wears where she looks very, very good out without him. Um, and it becomes this whole media storm and the pearls are something that she has seen on Camilla. And so it becomes this. Like she even in her own clothes in this movie, she's a prisoner um, and she when she wants to wear something else and finds the jacket of her father on the scarecrow and wants it remade and everyone's hesitant to do that. Um, like the the pearls are literally a collar that like even when we see her do that whole sequence with her eating them in the kind of fictionalized version, they come back throughout the movie later on as essentially like a collar a way of like, this is controlling you, this is holding you. And that's how Kristen Stewart plays it. And that's, and we'll get into her performance several times as we kind of talk about it. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's all these things are very, very interconnected and very purposeful.
0: Yep, 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 yep. So uh, I have decided, I look back over my notes. Um I did take not that many notes. I took a few notes and they are chronological, but I think a lot of them, are so kind of meh, not that important. I'm gonna forgo a lot of my written down notes and just go with my general vibes of the movie and things that I know I wanna talk about. Um, but, you know, just a quick thing. First of all, fuck you, Hulu. Just, Just fuck Hulu. I, I just want to say that for the experience that I had trying to watch this movie and all the it fucking advertisements. And then I went and tried to, like, because they kind of interrupted the flow of a dialogue scene. And I tried to go back to get the full, like, what they were saying. And then it just did another ad. And I was like, oh, my God,
1: that's that's <laughs> You're terrible, actively,
0: actively interrupting my movie watching experience
1: yeah they re-tiered uh my the tier that my family has has the ads before the before it so we didn't get interruptions but like yeah i'm i mean i i was even frustrated with that because golden girls is also on hulu and it took me out of it all the freaking time the ads on hulu i just it it hulu sucks
0: (laughs) but uh i don't know if they suck as much as hbo max but um and then like i noted like a shot with Diana and Maggie, like, when they first have their r- first real conversation in her room. And there's, like, this is very specific. But it, essentially, it's, like, they're in front of her, like, uh, kind of wardrobe uh, makeup station. And there's mirrors. And so you can see the mirrors of Diana and Maggie. And I was, like, that is a great shot. Yeah. Um, And then... You know, kind of like the shots were very hit or miss with me in certain parts of the movie, but I won't get into a lot more detail with that. The first scene in the kitchen with um, the guy, the antagonist, the major, Um, I think that was the first time I, like, was in the movie. It took up until then for me it's to be like... about 15 minutes, yeah. Okay. Because I think that's genuinely where, like... Kristen just gets to act like fully mm-hmm. and then you know obviously the guy gets to kind of act and react along with her even though there's not a lot of like them in the same shot it's very much it gives me the feeling of as somebody who you know is definitely in love with goodwill hunting having seen a couple different reactions on youtube uh lately um it reminds me of like how fantastic it is to watch as an actor goodwill hunting is because the actors are just pinging off of each other like they're great scenes to do isolated with partners and stuff and so this watching this after that after that was definitely leaving me in a state of like i kind of want to i want to sink my teeth into something and this was the first time i got to um and then just everything with Diana and her kids was great. I love yeah, it. Yeah,
1: the boys are so cute in this at every turn. Um, and it's just, it's so fascinating to then think about like, oh, who these people are now, um, but how they were, how she was with her, with them. And like jumping very far ahead when they have that moment uh over it was it over candlelight um where they're playing soldier and general and and you have to tell me the truth like that you have to tell me the truth game and they are trying so hard to just be there for her and she can't say anything to them because it will only come back and and hurt her and and when they ask her you know are you going to be queen and she said i'm your mom that's my job um, and that's one of those moments where it's amongst all the mental breakdownness of this movie, um, where she just shines through. Whenever she is with the boys and alone with the boys, she is, she is, at, it's, that's where she's at her happiest. Um, that, that is a very strong testament to her performance. Yeah. Is, I would pull, say is if pulling there was off a, those scenes.
0: If there is a hidden secret to getting the movie right or fa- if there's a thing of like, if you do this wrong, the movie fails. It is this. If you don't get these scenes right with the kids, I think the movie fundamentally falls apart because the movie gets this core relationship. Right. Very right. I think the movie like gets to, uh, gets to have a really solid foundation. And this character has, a genuine contrast. You can see when she's genuinely unhappy versus when she's genuinely like shining. And I think that's really important for, for a movie like this.
1: I also think it's interesting that they chose to make this a point in her life where she's not aiming to please because that's one thing that i think is missing from this beyond just like if you don't know the story is that like we don't get a lot of context as to why the royals see her in this way cuz there's a whole history there too um like i like i hinted at earlier there's the combination of like she's not quite aiming to please and she doesn't want she is not She is not immediately like kissing the ground that they walk on. I don't think I think if I recall correctly, there was hesitation about whether or not she actually even wanted this marriage. But there was a family thing Um, and they also hate her because she's the object of the entire attention of the press. And you see it at the church scene on Christmas morning um, when they're all want to photograph her and not everyone else. And there is a lot of commentary about their jealousy of her being the one in the spotlight and she's the one who they want to control the narrative. They always want to control the narrative. They always want to make sure their narrative is the one that's getting out. And Diana is inherently a, a obstacle to that because of just the way she is, who she is as a person and the media's absolute fascination with her.
0: Yeah. Um. Although I will slightly disagree with like wanting More of like the her trying to be trying to please them, because I don't know for what the movie is currently. I I like for for the story the movie is trying to tell. I like that there's not that much of that. I'll put it that way.
1: I guess yeah. I mean I, I still think it does its job beautifully. That's kind of that's kind of as I'm reading over my notes, I'm like I can kind of simplify a lot of these for the sake of us saving time but like i really do like i was very into the first third to maybe half of the movie pretty consistently because it just gave us thing after thing after thing after thing of well she can't do that or she's expected to do this like i think one thing about the bulimia that's that we have overlooked in talking about this so far is that they expected her to gain three pounds that was part of the weigh-in is that like there's some sort of eyes on them that if they don't gain weight at Christmas, then they didn't have a good time. And it just, it it melts my brain how insane that is. How insane it is that you have to put on the thing you, you were told to put on and behave the way that you were told to behave. And like, and Charles touches on this later where he says, there's always, there's always two of us. There's the queen and then there's the queen, there's the queen. And then there's Elizabeth, there's me. And then there's public me and you have to be public you according to how we say it and she rejects that um and the fact that she's constantly looking around for confidants in and friends in the women around her and all she has is maggie um and it broke my heart every single time one of those maids was looking at her like It really does feel like a Black Mirror or a Twilight Zone episode because like every time they talk to her, no one can ever flat out tell her no. No one can ever flat out tell her you must do this right away. No one can ever even even Major Gregory um, when they have that confrontation um, in the, you know, in the field uh, and they talk about honor and duty and things like that. um, No one can ever. And he says it's time to go get for dinner. And she's like, I'm not going right now. And he goes, you know, I'm going to help you up like they can never directly tell her no because she is a royal, but they have to handle her. And it's like that would drive me insane. It would drive me insane that no one would just be straight with you at any given time. And yet you're expected to do these things and they will not budge and they cannot be confidants. And that that is so well illustrated throughout every beat of everything um, up until, you know honestly at, at every point that's kind of the main theme of the entire movie
0: uh I think literally what I have left is uh, my big my big stuff so if you have more please go ahead
1: um yeah no I, I think the the first connection to Anne Boleyn in the book thing is kind of sloppy it's one of my least favorite parts of the movie um, I can honestly run through a lot of these um, a line that really stuck with me is as a horror aspect and a thriller aspect was when Charles says, Charles is talking about how, uh, how they're taking the boys shooting. And she's like, they don't, he doesn't like to shoot. You shouldn't make him do it. And he's like, I hated shooting too. And then I learned to like it. And you, you, you make your body do things it hates. And I was like, that is rape culture. And I found that that choice of wording was very, poignant in the grand like background of the movie. Um, I am going to get on my personal soapbox for a hot second here. When major Gregory is talking about for the good of the country um, and the things she needs to do for the good of the country. uh, What they mean is for the good of the Royals. And the irony here is that in the past, like 40 years over the course of Diana start, you know, being in the monarchy to now it's that like there's growing sentiment from what i understand that the royals don't need to be there they are truly just people that the taxpayers fund to keep around for the sake of tradition and so the irony is that like when you look at it from that perspective you're really looking at it from a way a light of like this is this is self-preservation for them in a way the way that they have to maintain these these the way they look and not turn into shambles And not be seen as publicly a menace because then they wouldn't exist, and that is the reason that they they have to be around in that way, and they have to to maintain all that. And I find that fascinating. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is one of your big things, but like beyond the acknowledging the possibility that it might have been true, I don't know if Maggie was a real person. Um, But like, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what the purpose of Maggie's confession to her meant in the grand scheme of the movie um i think maybe it's an opportunity to because the note at the end is very sweet the one note in the car after she parks it that says you know i'm not the only one that loves you um like i felt like that was cathartic in the end to give diana a reason to be like other people love you and that's a you know and you should hang on to that um but i don't know what the purpose of that subplot was i i just don't know enough about enough of the history to to know if that was supposed to be historic or just like hey we're gonna tell this story and see what happens
0: so apparently this was a thing how much of a thing i will won't know just because i didn't grow up in the uk at this time so i of course wouldn't know the context but apparently it was enough of a thing that charles himself was asked about it And um, he was basically asked, you know, were they in love? Like, were they lovers or whatever? And apparently he was like, whatever in love means.
1: Wow, okay. And like,
0: so it's like a thing. (laughs)
1: interesting okay cool well that clears that up but yeah no I mean like let's talk about some of the big some of your big things Um, you know the only other notes I don't know it would take too long to talk about the concept of currency Um, this is something that Alison Campbell who's been on the, the podcast before has talked about where like a person has a certain kind of currency. Some people's currency is humor. Some is intelligence. Some is beauty. Um, and they really, they really go on that in this movie. But I feel like that's going to take too much time to like get into the nitty gritty of. Um, I just really like how Kristen Stewart, it's not that she disappears into the role, but she blends so well. It's like, I see Kristen Stewart. I also see Princess Diana and that blending is just like, it's artistic in a way where it's like, ah, I see the strings and I like it. Um, the fact that she, she pulls off that mental breakdown in the big puffy dress with her son and just telling him, you know, five more minutes, five more minutes. And like the mental breakdown that she goes through in that moment of, of okay, maybe I'm have enough strength to go. And then she ret- like recedes back into the bathroom. It's, it's just, she, uh, it's a brilliant performance on her part.
0: Yeah. I will say, uh, for the most part, I didn't see Kristen Stewart until, like, I think the montage. Um, well, yeah, her, she's playing
1: two roles in that point, so.
0: Yeah, with her dancing, uh, I... <laughs> but it was a good... It was It was kind of a good thing in this way, because when I think of Kristen Stewart, I think of somebody who strives to be very free in her life, and very unencumbered and kind of does whatever she wants and fuck everybody else. So the fact that I did see Kristen Stewart in that moment was kind of like, was kind of a good thing. I was like, Oh yeah. I li- I kind of like that a little bit. Um, I
1: mean, back to the twilight comparison, the woman knows how to give a look. Cause she gives some, <laughs> some looks, in this film, the, those looking to the side and the way she poses her, her face, like that is absolutely intentional and she knows how to work that shit.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm like taking a moment because uh, I straddle a line with this podcast of like showing enough, but not showing too much communicating enough to make a point, but not communicating too much. But with a movie like this, it's very difficult to straddle that line because this is a movie that is really depicting, is depicting a breakdown in all of the good and all of the murky that that implies. And... As someone who does very openly uh, struggle with mental illness, it was a very tricky movie for me because I think it does justice to those feelings and that sensation... Um. I don't 100% I can't 100% with uh you know confidence say whether or not Diana was actually, you know, dealing with depression or anxiety uh because I don't like kind of diagnosing people that aren't me. Um but the movie definitely gives off vibes of depression and anxiety and I know that because I have depression and anxiety and Again, it was very tricky to watch because, uh, I have said before, I watch movies for escapism. So it's tricky for me to watch drama or suspense or thriller at times because if they get it right, then it sucks for me. Because it now makes me feel things that I feel every day. Um, And that's not what I want from a movie. But if it does it well, then, I mean, it's like, what do you say about it? I It did it well, but I hated it? Like, no. Um, but this is a movie that really gives off the f- feeling of being trapped. Um, Absolutely. Being... It's that thing of being micromanaged by people that don't hate you. But won't listen to you. And so it's a thing of, because there's very notably a lot of moments where people will say, oh, this person, you know, they may come off a certain way. They may do kind of bad things, but they're not bad. And it speaks to the genuine authenticity of how people are complicated and how somebody may be your adversary like that. The major is an adversary to Diana, but I don't think he's like many people will be quick to go like, well, he's not necessarily a bad person in the movie and he there. He might well not be, but it's just that tricky thing as someone who personally has had most of their issues when it comes to, mental health come specifically at the hands of family and having a very complicated and tricky relationship with members of my family. I'm supposed to be very close with. I felt a lot of this very subconsciously and very personally, because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to not necessarily have someone say you have to do this, But all of the implications of you not doing it force you to do it. And I think the film is very good at portraying it. But it also made it very hard to watch. And it's one of these things where I think Spencer comes out on the other side being more of a good movie than a difficult watch for me which is good and I think it speaks to a lot you know the the ending is very cathartic which is good despite how bittersweet it is knowing what we know in real life but it is very I think the film succeeds because it picks its moments to really get in there with like the uncomfortableness and the uh like that scene where she does have that break breakdown and she cuts herself again. And that whole extended scene was very difficult for me to watch. And to be fair, I kind of didn't. I, that was one of the few times I absolutely 10 second forward because I just, I just, I just physically couldn't do it.
1: And it's also like, we gasped when she, she took the, the, um, wire cutter to her arm. It was like, Ooh, ow. Yeah, no, they, the way they, the way they foley that sound was, was visceral.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like, they take their moments to really dig that knife in, but they also have moments like all her interactions with her kids are really nice. And there's something, there's something so specific about her, one real interaction with charles in that in that billiard room where it's doing so many things at once where charles is a fucking bastard in this movie but also he's not being the worst person in the world in the scene in fact it's he's being probably the most honest he probably is in the canon of this universe of the film towards Diana that he probably has in a while. Like he's being very transparent about like, you know, how he has to be, how royalty has to be. And he mentions offhand, like, I thought you knew that. And I don't doubt that. I think he genuinely did kind of just go like, didn't you know what you signed up for? This is why I'm not holding your hand. This is why I have no real empathy for you because this has been my entire life. And it's just like, Oh, Oh, so yeah. If you didn't know that, that kind of sucks then, doesn't it? But it's also this moment. I think where something kind of just subtly changes. It's not a big dramatic change. Like I think later on in the movie, but it is a very subtle change for Diana. And a way that like more intrigued me than set, set off my anxiety. So this film is very good at like kind of straddling that line for me personally of like, essentially it doesn't become whiplash. <laughs> like there, there's like a certain point to whiplash where it's just like, I'm just kind of, I'm I'm out. I, I, I genuinely cannot watch this. Um, And thankfully this movie, yeah, there there were points where I had to kind of fast forward a little bit through, but I think that ending is so earned because they balance it a lot throughout the movie of not everything is bleak. Not everything is, you know, grim and miserable and depicting these feelings of depression and anxiety. And I am thankful for that because it allowed me to like actually make it through uh, the movie and genuinely appreciate what the director and the writer and the editor and mo- probably most importantly, Chris and Stewart
1: was doing. Do we want to talk about the montage at all? I don't have much to say about it more or less that it just didn't kind of work for me. I was like, I guess you're breaking your bonds and remembering who you are. But like, I didn't realize that was the point, point of the movie
0: for a little bit. I kind of, was wondering, I'm like, okay, did we jump forward in time? And then once I kind of re- realized that, oh, it's an abstract, sort of like interpretive dance kind of depiction of what she's feeling in the moment. That's when I kind of like sat back and was like, oh, okay, so I don't have to be like anxious during this. Good, 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 good. good. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's what so I started. Was beneficial to- for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's once that happened, once that switch flipped, then I started to enjoy it as well as the aforementioned thing I said earlier of like I can see a little bit of Kristen having fun in this scene a little bit. Um and then there was the scene of like the running the interspliced running.
1: Yeah. That
0: one particular thing was what got me. Again, as somebody who viscerally subconsciously felt a lot of the things this movie was portraying that part actually was like made me go okay yeah i i actually really like this
1: Hmm. all right uh, i guess the last thing on this um the costuming hot damn um yeah they went off everyone looks amazing and i don't i don't know the history but i imagine if i was. Imagine if I lived through that, I would look at that and go, I remember that dress. I remember that outfit. So like props to them, they, they, they deserve, you know, awards for that. Cause that's, it's difficult. It's difficult to not only capture the exact, like restore the exact look of something, but also to capture the feeling behind the clothes. Like clothing is so huge when you really delve deep into it, um, and it, may, it makes such a difference. And so, like, massive applause to the, co- to the wardrobe department and the costume designers on this film. Um, and we'll okay. let that rest. And we'll talk about Betty White. Boy, let's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is now time for Reject
1: or renew.
0: Thank you, me. Welcome, welcome to our monthly TV show review, Reject or Renew. If you're new here, this is how this works. The segment will begin with an episode guide. Each of us will take turns giving a brief synopsis of an episode, followed by our brief thoughts, repeating this process until all episodes have been covered. Afterwards, we will discuss the highest and lowest rated episodes, most and least valuable characters, and give our final thoughts before rendering our judgment of Reject or Renew. Now, a show needs at least one Renew to remain eligible. Two back-to-back rejects from the same host will disqualify that show from our ranks and can only be resurrected via fan vote. However, if both hosts elect to reject, the show in question will be eliminated from our lineup immediately and permanently. Following judgment, we will commence the Reject or Renew draft lottery to determine what show will appear on next month's Reject. Or renew. Back to you, me. Thank you, me. So, of course, we're not gonna waste any more time. We're talking about the Golden Girls to 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 me today. Um,
1: (laughs) to I'm a Golden Girl talking to myself. I have dementia. (laughs) To May, it's gonna be May. Honestly. This, this, based on every boomer bashing thing I've said on this uh, episode, this show is awkward for me. (laughs) All the jokes we made about how, like, I supposedly hate old people. I don't. And I have a good note that justifies me. But on the flip side, I'm also just like, God damn. (laughs) It was. This is going to make me sound. A lot of what I'm going to say today is going to make me sound horrible.
0: I mean, I think it's very funny seeing how we got here was because i wanted to uh kind of pay tribute to betty white and given some things i'm going to say today it's like
1: oop yeah oh me too me too me too
0: <laughs> and i oop
1: <laughs>
0: um <laughs> yeah. god so
1: oh my goodness
0: okay so okay it was also kind of weird because you know for as long as you know we've kind of been you know, aware, socially aware of Betty White. Betty White's always been kind of like the token older lady. So going back and then realizing like, wait, are they supposed to be like in their fifties? Uh, early sixties. Like, uh, yeah. Early sixties. 60? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> because.
1: Cause yeah, that would make Betty White in her. <laughs> Well, oh wait, yeah. So late fifties, because yeah, she died. She died at like eight, she died at like ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, she was um, real close. So, so that that means that she would have been born in like the late twenties, thirties. Oh man, because um,
0: like some of the things they talk about, especially Blanche, I was just like, oh yeah, they're like. Late 50s, early 60s, oh, okay. So, yeah, some of that's still there's
1: a There's a lot of commentary out right now about how, like, if you did the Golden Girls today, they would look nothing like the Golden Girls of the 80s because there was, like, an acknowledgement of aging. Yeah. Earlier in the 20th century, like, there was, like, okay, you hit a certain point, you don't have to worry about the hair. Like, did they, they, does Blanche dye her hair? Yes. But, like, you can dress in ways that are more comfortable and, and a little bit more, like, classy. Whereas, like like my, my equivalent, even though it is like 10 years, their junior is Cougar town. The way that they, the way that we interpret that, like the threshold of getting older than 40 in pop culture now is Cougar town, which is so vastly different than the way they are here. Like, you know, and there's so much, so mu- the beauty standards are so different. Um, and, and I think, but also to a to a certain effect the reason they're costumed and dressed the way they are is to make them make them older so that the jokes land um, as like oh look at these old biddies saying these things um So yeah, before we get into it, all my targeted ads while watching this show were like doctors talking directly to the camera to give a PSA about (laughs) COVID-19 and like medical treatments. And like other things were like medications. And then there was one that was like, someone near you is lonely. And I'm like, this is absolutely targeted advertising for the Golden (laughs) Girls. That is so appropriate. Um, And I just, I wasn't used to, Uh, So before we get into this, I'm just going to preface everybody. I've had a hard two months. I have had a hard, hard two months. (laughs) This show would put me to sleep on pacing alone. And so I'm sorry if I'm not being fully appreciative of the golden girls in, in certain moments because you care about it a lot. I it's been I've had a hard fucking month, okay? So like I'm not putting up with things I might have put up with under more rest. Just FYI. Um, I got tested I'm a, yes. I'm going to take that banner. I'm going to take that banner here. Um I did like TJ spread this out twenty five episodes. Is what we're gonna go over TJ spread this out over a reasonable amount of, reasonable amount of time. I didn't have that luxury, nor did I have the energy to actually watch them fully when I had to watch them. So you know, if if we get to the end and like I make a certain decision, like take that with a grain of salt. Um.
0: Anyway, let's start. So, oh, I you know what? Genuinely, the show is called Reject or Renew, and I this is the first time I've actually remembered that I'm going to have to reject or renew this show at the end.
1: Yep. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, you have to make you have to pass judgment. I've been thinking about it. Um...
0: So we really have flipped. Uh... <laughs> oh, God. Um, also, th- this whole thing of, like, what it means to be kind of that age then versus now reminded me of the quote-unquote controversy of casting Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. And I'm like,
1: I remember I was
0: one of the first people that was just like, thank God, finally, Aunt May is not this, like, old, like, you know, feeble woman because... That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, like it
1: made sense in this. It made sense in the '60s when they <laughs> wanted her to be an old, feeble woman, and so when you did Toby's Spider-Man, it made sense to cast that person. But uh, yeah, as you de-age the actor of Spider-Man, you should de-age Aunt May. And like, I think Sally Field was probably the perfect one um, in terms of like being right there in but the like, middle. But
0: genuinely, uh, fucking what? Spider-Man: Homecoming came out five years ago. Like, Marissa Tomei was 52. That's the right age.
1: To be raising that That's child, yeah. That's the right
0: age, and she looks however it is she's going to fucking look. Like, like, I don't understand. Because <laughs> some people were so upset. Some people were so upset. I'm like, why is Aunt May hot? And I'm like, are you? do you mean why is Aunt May 52? Because Aunt May's 52 <laughs> because she's supposed to be but if you find her because hot Spider-Man that's a is you problem
1: <laughs> like we forget tom holland was playing uh, was a 21 year old playing a 15 year old in civil war yeah
0: <laughs> like shit also it's that whole thing in hollywood of like older women aren't supposed to be attractive which is f- fucking bullshit
1: um yeah, such bullshit. Have you seen Emma Thompson? like well, actually Emma Thompson's not even that old. But still, <laughs> it's just like, you know, women 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 can women can, you know, age as, just as gracefully as we claim men to. Yeah. Um Holly Berry. Anyway. Hell yeah. Literally like most okay, damn it. older black
0: actresses in general
1: like Oh hell yeah! Oh, there's the there's a humans of New York entry where somebody was deliberately going to find uh, older women, and there was this stunning black woman, and they asked her how old she was, and she goes sixty eight, and they're like, "What?" You're she's just like, "Yeah," and she you know she didn't have any trouble getting around. She was just this metropolitan woman, cosmopolitan woman.
0: God, there's so Salma hi. Let me stop, um, t- because hell yeah, we'll let's, just let's not get into talk this. about the Golden Girls um (laughs) can we not uh so starting with episode one pilot thanks creative uh the pilot centers on blanche who has fallen in love i thanks
1: so thanks yeah it's not giving us much um yeah so hulu this is the second time we've done a hulu show and they hulu gives you nothing nothing um I mean, then again, HBO Max also doesn't give you very much because that was the problem with Insecure. Um, Netflix is the only one who gives you anything. Let's be real. Like, the Shit Creek ones give you enough. Um, But yeah, so simple introduction of their basic characters. It's like, okay, Blanche is a slut. Rose is naive. Dorothy is the smart one and the sarcastic one. Um, You know, it's, it's all... Sophia is the old one who gets to say whatever she wants. Great, cool, awesome. Sophia is my favorite at this point. Um... And talking about what we just talked about, like it's very important. Like I want to acknowledge right off the top here that the thought I had was whether I like this or not, this show is very important because we, at at the time I can't think of any other stories that were centering like women of a certain age sort stories. And even today, a lot of those stories get sidelined to like streaming services. Like the one I can think of is that might've been, targeting the same demographic as like Gracie and Frankie, which I've never watched, but like to be like, Oh, we're going to tell stories about women of a certain age. And they all get relegated to streaming services as like a, Hey, this is for the niche audience offering. And older men in, in sitcoms can still be around like, God, Charlie Sheen's a fucking piece of, you know, dead turd. Um, but we, we let older men be mainstream, but older women can't be. Um, And other things, Uh, they make a New York murder joke, which I'm so sick of. Literally, uh, on my way back from my family vacation in Florida, the Uber driver, it was three and it was four in the morning. And I told the Uber driver I was going back to New York and she said, are you going to be okay? You better get a Kevlar vest. Don't go on the subway. And I'm like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about new york is a perfectly safe city for the vast majority of its land area like and i didn't i didn't say any of this i was just like it's 4am i'm not dealing with this but she just wouldn't let it the fuck go so every time they make a new york people getting murdered joke i'm very much like okay um that's not what it's actually like and it really wasn't even that bad in the 80s so fuck off um last thing uh they just dropped the storyline like a sack of potatoes
0: what even was the storyline
1: Uh, Blanche and uh, Dorothy both meet a guy and Blanche ends up winning him over to the point where they are about to get married and then he apparently was a bigamist who got arrested for it and stood her up for the wedding. And I was just like, okay, cool. They spent all this time just like building up characters around this kind of sham of a story and then they just have a cop come in at the end and go, hey, it's not a factor anymore.
0: So we will circle back around to this because there is an episode Uh uh that absolutely uh uh should have been the pilot.
1: Yep. Uh-huh, 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 uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. So I wrote uh-huh. a pretty good introduction to everyone, though the datedness is showing already.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You just you just assume assume it at this point. Assume mm. the datedness. We'll talk about it specifically, but like assume the datedness. Mm. Um. Anything else? No. Cool. Episode two. Guess who's coming to the wedding? Dorothy's daughter Kate comes to Miami with an announcement that she's getting married
0: a great Dorothy episode that demonstrates that the show is willing to be serious when necessary.
1: I think it's honestly, I write a note later, but like it's serious at least once per episode. Um, like they just take about. a moment, just about every episode, except for the very ridiculous ones to like give a character, a monologue that like states an opinion and a resolution about something. Um, the cheese balls uh, with Rose is an indication that the show has a lack of an ability to really hold a subplot.
0: Yeah, they are absolutely killing time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, and it's, but it's 22 minutes. So what time do you have to kill?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, exactly. And so, like, the, 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 your props to Dorothy in this episode. My note of that is the, sh- the, every episode does feel like a very short regional theater play where the script was written by someone elderly in the community and the actors just so happen to be retired and very good. Um, like that is, that is the golden girls for me. It's like, Oh, the scripts aren't that great. The actors just happen to be able to make something of them.
0: Trevor, don't give Sarasota any, don't give Sarasota any more ideas.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is what I think of. I have a note on Florida later.
0: Oh, Lord. um. <laughs> Episode three, Rose the Prude. Rose reluctantly agrees to go on a blind date.
1: Um, I think this story is cute. This was a cute Betty White moment for me um, where she's reluctant to sleep with a new man because uh, she hasn't slept with anybody since her husband died. And she goes through with it. And then the twist at the end is that in true Betty White fashion where she gets this reputation for being the little old white lady who who has crass situations happen to her. It's that her her husband died w- after having sex with her. The last time when he died, he was having sex with her, um, which they retcon a little bit later. But like, um, so I thought I thought this whole episode was was decently cute. Uh,
0: my previous note, but now with Rose, a really great exploration of this conflict. I'm glad the show can slow down and actually explore concepts seriously while also being funny.
1: I mean, I didn't say it was that funny. Um,
0: (laughs) I don't think that the actual situation is that funny, but like there are funny moments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, it's me. Um, Episode four, Transplant. Blanche's sister, Virginia, comes to Miami for a visit because she's dying. If she doesn't get a kidney and wants Blanche to donate.
0: I, the comedy was unreal in this one for some reason.
1: Really, you thought this one was very funny?
0: I don't. Th- there was something about the day I watched it, or just it was hitting just right. But I just want you to remember this point in time where I was still fresh into the season, and I was actually having the time of my life watching the Golden Girls.
1: Well, see, I, I don't find uh, I don't find this episode to be that. I, I, I have some problems with this episode. I mean, A, fucking wham. This is, at this point in the season, four episodes in, I was like, damn, we really have hit a hard topic every single episode. And, like, <laughs> props, but, like, give me something to work with here. Um, the whole baby subplot, I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Because I'm not laughing. Um, like, somebody's baby is with them and they're babysitting it, but I'm like, I'm not laughing at any of this. Um, and here is another... Here are two other things that are about that are probably more symptomatic of old sitcoms than the golden Girls specifically, but the golden girls does this two things. They have the other characters who are not going through the main conflict, stand in the kitchen and talk about it and tell stories about it that are sideline relations to the thing. And they are either insightful or meant to be funny. Um, and it's normally Dorothy's stuff that's meant to be insightful and Rose's stuff that's meant to be funny. Um, And then they also just completely write the stakes of the episode away in the final moments of the show in a way that a contemporary sitcom might actually follow through with it. Um, Like Blanche eventually does agree to give up the kidney. And then I forget why, but then she doesn't end up having to. And I'm like, well, Blanche could have just been a character that now just had one kidney. Why did you have to write it out to where Blanche could then sit down and go, I'm all great. I didn't even have to do it. I'm like, why? Why do that? That doesn't make sense to me.
0: I do agree with you on principle, though I will make a note that for Blanche's character, that actually does line up perfectly. Like yeah, oh, I'll me... it... do anything.
1: Yeah, but I don't you know. <laughs> She's got enough going for her that I yeah. don't need her to be that way, too. Yeah.
0: Episode five, The Triangle. Dorothy is dating Dr. Elliot Clayton. Dr. Clayton makes a pass at Blanche. Why does he get a name?
1: yeah no all all (laughs) none of none of the men in this show need names the only man in this show who needs a name is dorothy's ex-husband no one else needs names um the only note i had is is the joke that made me laugh which is they could have a child they could adopt a child and then (laughs) this is this is the only time i will uh, exclude excuse the betty the betty white playful racism um, is when she says, little Mei Ling running around. Um, and I was like, ah, there's Betty White. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Uh,
0: so I actually thought a-, a bit overboard with Dorothy here. But again, the humor kind of won this episode over for me. Um, I really thought it was kind of, at this point, five episodes in, it was actually kind of out of character for Dorothy to be this aggressive towards Blanche.
1: yeah. They definitely they just they turned up character dynamics up a little bit higher to justify the conflict. Yeah. Because in many other instances, Dorothy is 100% like, "No, that man shouldn't scam you. No, fuck that guy. No fuck this." But when it's the object of her affection versus Blanche, they like they 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 definitely like tweezed that conflict out. Yeah. Episode 6 on Golden Girls. Blanche's 14-year-old grandson comes to visit Miami. That's not what it actually says. I just I, I said it. It's Miami for a visit, and then I caught myself, and I was like, "I why, why did my brain do that?"
0: First anyway. of all, why? What the <sighs> fuck is this title? Yeah. What? What?
1: Uh, uh, Maybe it's supposed to be like on golden shores. I don't know. Stupid.
0: Anyway, this episode is horribly uneven. I, I. I Uh, I just, oh, oh, this episode, I, oh, I, mm, mm -mm, nope,
1: nope. Uh, I don't even have any notes. I just said, eh, like, I don't like the whole conflict with the, the teenager. It feels like older people looking at teens and going, this is how they are. And I'm like, I hate, I hate that dynamic. I'd much rather see an episode of them trying to win him over by trying to be, younger or get with what he likes because I think that'd be funnier to see them do but that's not what they do they just sit there and go tut tut at the boy the entire time who's being a dick he's a dick but all they do is go tut tut at him the entire time
0: yeah this episode and another one that's coming up later is just like do you know how younger people work I, I don't think you do uh, but anyway Episode seven: The competition. In a bowling competition, it's Dorothy and Blanche versus Rose and Sophia.
1: The only note I had is that I, you know, I kind of don't care about all the partner switching. I feel like they're trying to make that a point of humor, and I don't find it funny.
0: Uh, This you could tell this is still in my uh, glowing honeymoon period with Golden Girls, Uh, because the only thing I wrote was "God, I love that." Yeah,
1: I mean, like, did I appreciate the end in the way that like? The bowling, the bowling scene was good, but the rest of it, I'm kind of just like I feel like you're just I feel like you're doing the thing where you have a you have three cups and a and a ball underneath them and you're just mixing them around to make me get dizzy and then you go ah hey here's the actual good scene.
0: Well, I I do remember why I liked the episode. I did like the stuff between Dorothy and Sophia, and I liked Sophia in this episode discovering like you know someone from her past again, and you know I. I think I just, I like them treating Sophia like a character and not a joke machine.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they do that in the next few episodes pretty well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Dorothy doing the class, you know, the now tried and true classic thing of, oh they actually let you win at the last moment and they acknowledge it. And it's very emotional. And, you know, now it's a cliche, but then, you know, it was pretty, you know, just what they did. Um, so yeah,
1: episode eight: The Break In. The girls arrive home to discover their house has been broken into.
0: So the Southern woman wants a whipping and a hanging, and Rose thinks jewelry comes from J I I had the
1: same notes. I had the same notes.
0: What the flying fuck? Dated. I said is one maybe,
1: thing. maybe don't have the Southern white character talking about hanging and whipping criminals.
0: Like I don't like dating. Dated dated sorry dated does not cover this (laughs) i can't believe this made it to air at all
1: like dorothy's the only one with any sense during the entire thing where she's just like no you're not gonna price gouge us and no you need to learn to live with the aspect of danger and then rose just spends the entire episode in terror and i literally wrote the modern equivalent would just be them watching fox news they can get the same amount of terror in contemporary media um, these women are absolutely, I, they never make this point, but it's like, Hey, you were more likely to be killed by your husband than any of these random men and anybody True. who breaks into your house. Don't like trust that is men. statistical truth. Um, but not even that, like they talk about their husband so lovingly. And I'm like, well, when you really, when you look at it, it's like, that's actually who was the, your biggest threat here, kids. And then like, it takes Rose being quote unquote assaulted for this to resolve. like, The flip side of this and the way it's very colored by the contemporary landscape, how I see this, because when I see Rose being in terror in that parking garage, what I see is those those Karens in the parking lot of Walmart hissing back at people who meant no threat to them. It's like it's that it's that weird thing. It's that weird thing of, of that fear really taking hold in someone. But like the way we see it is, Oh my goodness. Oh, you're so worried about Rose. And I'm like, you know, I, I could have told you because it's a sitcom that she wasn't in danger. And so it was kind of just like, I, this is just not, this isn't fun for me to see this episode. And I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to give her the fear because I'm not a woman, I'm not an older woman. I'm not in as, in as much danger. She is a marginalized group by severe, by being both of those things. I wish they had handled it differently.
0: Yeah. Episode 9, Blanche and the younger man. Blanche goes all out to try to look good for her latest boo.
1: All I said was, "Oof, sorry Blanche," um when he just wants to be around her cuz he reminds her of grandma, she reminds him of grandma and uh or his mother or something like that. And uh, Rose continued to be grating. It carried over from the past episode for me, so.
0: Boy, this show is dated, and boy, Rose is starting to
1: grate on me. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we're not even halfway through this season. Um, Episode 10, The Heart Attack. After a dinner party, Sophia suffers an apparent heart attack. Rose, please stop. Yeah, it's what the the Jew and Catholic jokes... Just I, I don't It's know. like it's one of those things where it's like this is a, this is the humor that they're trying to be here is like playfully prejudiced because they're playing on the idea that they're playing on the notion that their main audience is not these things.
0: I just this I think this was just a point where I started to see patterns with Rose's character and how they were writing her. And it was just like, I need you to not do literally the same thing every episode with this character, because Eventually, like, I mean, spoiler alert for the rest of this episode guide, They, the whole joke with Rose is that she's too much. And then they write her to be kind of too much. And I'm like, so how am I supposed to take that <laughs> as, as a viewer? Right. Because if you write a character- and it's not-
1: and it's not the Minnesota of it all, because we have another notably Minnesotan character and family in another notable sitcom that doesn't do that.
0: That's 70? No, that's Wisconsin. How I Met Your Mother. Well, I mean, that's only one.
1: Marshall Erickson. Yeah, that's only one. Um, anyway, um, my note is like, okay, why are we already here at Death and Heart Attack at episode 10? I like if you were watching this in, in you know, when it was airing, you might be sitting there going, Oh God, are they writing that character off? What is happening? Um, which just makes it again. It's one of those things where like, I, I predicted the end of her being totally fine. I thought it would have been a funnier end and a funny way to remove the stakes. If she just belched, they said in the beginning, Oh, she just needs to let out a big belch. And then they go through this whole circling the drain of talking about death in morbid and sad and funny ways. And I would have been funnier if they, if they just escalated, escalated, escalated belch. Hey, I feel better. That would have actually worked for me that the, what they did didn't work for me in that way. Um, and then the end, the episode, my last note on it is like, why won't this episode end? They end, the episode, once again, at the kitchen table, just unloading sweets onto it and they're about to eat them. And then they fat shame themselves and they go to bed. And I'm like, that was how you want to end the episode? Oh boy.
0: Episode 11 Stan's return. Dorothy's ex-husband shows up to settle a piece of land. They bought.
1: Uh, again, yeah, men, they, 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 this show actually does have a pretty accurate light of many different men. Um, he, it's just sad. He, re, he runs back to his ex-wife cause he literally can't be alone. Um, this episode, I will say might have some of the best, plot progression and when other characters are commenting on the main story because they're on the outsides of it it actually does add something to the plot and it is a little funny um but then they also have little person jokes the uh implication that rose slept with a little person and they use the the word um so yeah
0: i don't think stan's actor is very good
1: <laughs> yeah okay I don't think they were looking for good
0: I just I can't get a read on his character it's that it's that kind of bad where I'm like wait wait so what am I supposed how am I supposed to see you again because I definitely see you as one thing but the show kind of thinks of you as a different thing and then you're acting a third thing I feel like and I'm like Okay, you just just get this off my screen. Just just go. Just go. I'm 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 over it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, episode 12, custody battle. Dorothy's sister, Gloria comes to Miami for a visit, and what the description is not telling you is that she is richer and believes that uh, Sophia should live with with her. Um, go ahead.
0: I think the show is also getting sick of Rose. Yeah, okay. Again, it's something specific to the episode that, you know, it would take too much time to explain, so I didn't write it down, but, like, it definitely felt like during the course of the season, I was like, guys, guys, if you don't like Rose to do these things, you don't have to write it in. (laughs) Like, why are you making this character annoying and then complaining about how annoying she is in the show? Like, I don't why what's the purpose yeah that's
1: that's put down humor it's humor (laughs) to set somebody up and put them down which i've never liked um my only note my only notes is that i was bored and that uh i did i was like kind of like a you know barack obama russian uh you know russian conflict meme um face of Literally, she brought her, she brings Sophia gifts and then goes, well, in this box, it's this and in this box, it's this. And I'm like, why did you tell her what's in the gifts? Was it so that on screen you didn't have to unwrap them and take the time to unwrap them? That's fine. But you don't actually need to have a dialogue about what's inside the gifts because no one cares. (laughs) They do that a lot with this, where it's like they justify with dialogue why they're bringing more food out in like three different episodes. And I'm like, you don't need to say that. You don't need to track every single moment. Just get to the thing you want to say. People do things without talking about it. Ugh.
0: (laughs) Episode 13. A little romance.
1: A.K.A. constant stream of microaggressions. Go on.
0: Rose begins to think her relationship is leading to the altar.
1: So from the very beginning of this episode, my note was, Oh my God, this is so overt. Holy shit. And given in the 1980s, I would never expect anyone who is a privileged person to even have access to any sort of compassionate view on this marginalized group. Um, but god damn, watching it today, I'm just like, no, 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 no. Because what's worse is the deeper joke of the episode is not the small jokes that they make in quips and words. It's the joke is that, once again, we're playing on the notion of Betty White having sex with a little person as if that is a joke. That is the whole thing that it's predicated on. Um there is an entire sequence where Blanche is telling a story of going out and going to the senior prom with someone that society said she shouldn't have been with. And then they go so far as in to say like, Oh, that's so great that you dated a black boy. And then they undercut it by saying, no, he was just a Yankee. He wasn't black. And I'm like, you could have just had Blanche be pro black. It would have done a lot for her character being the southern stereotype. But no, that's not what you did. And of course, even though the relationship seems to be nice, we have to find a way to write out this little person character. Of course, because we would never, we would want our characters to go through growth in accepting someone, but we'd never actually expect them to follow through on it.
0: I'm not paid enough to finish this episode.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I didn't. Good. Good. You didn't see the, the dream sequence with the, you know, nope. other stereotype. It was nope. bad. Um, okay. Episode 14. That was no lady. Dorothy's latest boyfriend gives her a shock when he tells her he's married.
0: The show goes from being dated about race to being dated about dating so fast. It makes my head spin. Even in the 80s. Someone had to know that a slavery joke is still yep. awful. That's my also, only, that
1: is my only thing.
0: Also, Jesus Christ Rose.
1: Yeah, that's, 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 that's all I have for that. I was like, I was waiting after everything that's been set up. I was waiting for Blanche to make a joke about slavery. Cause like later on we get a character who is her father and I'm like, mm, big daddy's been to some clan meetings. Um, they don't, they don't explicitly say that, but based on what I know about Blanche, like big daddy, was in some, some, probably involved in some questionable choices. Um, just based on how old he is and where he is from.
0: Episode 15 in a bed of roses late one evening, Rose brings a man home and they spend the night together.
1: So they, whenever it comes to men in this show, it's the same stock problem. It's a man and he's dead, married or both.
0: This episode could have been really nice. As it is, it's just okay.
1: Episode 16 The Truth Will Out. Rose is apprehensive about a visit from her daughter and granddaughter.
0: This episode could have been really nice. As it is, I think I'm repeating myself.
1: Yep. Um, I, I don't remember. I didn't write down any specific jokes. There were some jokes that I actually laughed at in this one, but I don't remember what they were.
0: Uh, episode 17 Nice and easy. Blanche's visiting niece is a chip right off the old block.
1: I have no notes for this.
0: The only thing I wrote down is Dorothy saved this one.
1: I mean, isn't that most of them?
0: Uh, mm, debatable. Because some sometimes they give Dorothy some... Sometimes Dorothy can be harsh. And I don't, I don't like that. That's not my... That's not a yeah. thing I like.
1: Mm-hmm. Um... Episode 18: The Operation. Dorothy is hesitant about having foot surgery.
0: Um apparently I this was a very specific note so I just wrote that the context is um she was yelling at Blanche at some point in this episode and I literally wrote down the heck was the heck was that with Rose
1: I couldn't tell you what happened. In this I, could, but like, I have no recollection of watching this.
0: Knowing the context that it was Rose yelling at Blanche. I think it's just, it was kind of out of character and overly aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 19 second motherhood. Blanche is romanced by a wealthy suitor.
1: Uh, yeah, this is the one that overlaps, uh, between the, the guy with the old guy with kids and the toilets. Um, I said, toilets, misogyny. Cool. Um, And on the note of every episode having a big thematic monologue from one of the main characters, this one about children was actually good. Like her sitting the guy down and being nice and saying like, hey, I want, I know you want your priority to be your job, then me, then your kids, but that isn't what you should be doing. Like the kids should be a first priority and I shouldn't even make the list. Like you have a job to do and I want you to do that. And I'm being kind by letting you down easy about this. Um, And I was like, oh yeah, that was actually a really good and insightful monologue. Thank you. From Blanche, of all characters.
0: I feel like this is the best episode we've
1: had in a hot minute. (laughs) Yep. Holy God. (laughs) Episode 20, Adult Education. Blanche's psychology professor sexually harasses her. That's pretty on the nose there, Hulu. (laughs)
0: Well, there was an attempt. Yeah. And it failed.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Is it just me or like, did they set up that Dorothy had a job as a teacher and then they just invented jobs when it was convenient for the other two?
0: Yeah. I never quite took uh, that much. Cause like it doesn't matter to their characters and there's no real plots dedicated yeah. to them. So it's like, they're just kind of just set dressing, figurative set dressing really.
1: Yeah. Like it only comes into play for Rose later in the season vaguely And they write it in such a way where it's like, oh, if we forgot that that they worked in this field of work, then it wouldn't really matter. And also, I don't think the audience in the 1980s is expecting them to have had jobs before this at all. Um, So uh, in some ways, a lot of what Blanche is saying just reminded me of the Gina Linetti therapist fascination scene at Holt at uh, Captain Holt's party. Oh, yeah. Um, And then they make a Barbara Walters speech impediment joke. And they paint cross-dressers as sexual deviants.
0: Yeah, I feel like that was sort of the thing with the 80s. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Episode 21, The Flu. Blanche, Dorothy, and Rose each come down with a nasty flu. Boy, this is sure an interesting episode to watch during a pandemic.
1: I feel like if I wasn't burnt out, this would be a little bit funnier. Or the concept is funny, but the execution isn't. Yeah. Um, and then the date competition at the end is dumb. Like Dorothy at one point says, well, at least I have a man here. And I'm like, why do you need a man there at all? This is about your service th- to the community and friendship. You're literally getting a friend award. And then Sophia has to get up there and say things that make them all regret what they did.
0: What this isn't my note, but just spitballing off the cuff here, one thing that might have been funnier is if they were all, if they all had the flu and were kind of being self conscious about their chances about getting the award and tried to cram in some good deeds last second, but the flu complicates it.
1: Right. Better concepts.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, that's not what the show does. And maybe the show does maybe the show does it because that's not what the actors want to do. <laughs> maybe they're like, "Okay, these are actors who are a little bit older. We're not going to make them run around and do these kinds of things. Maybe we just need to have them sit and talk about stuff." Maybe that's a factor. I don't know.
0: Uh my actual note was, "When was nerd such a harsh insult?"
1: Uh the 80s?
0: That's so yeah. re- like really? <laughs>
1: Gosh. It's the uh, it's the inherent conservative fear of intellectualism, you know, um, oh. anyway, uh, episode 22, which I, I, if people are have nothing to do with their lives, they should go to Hulu and look at the descriptions because the next two episodes have <laughs> actual multi multi sentence descriptions when, as you can tell, we've been filling in the blanks a lot. But for some reason, this one has this. So episode 22, we're 22 episodes in. Job hunting. When Rose loses her job at the grief center, she begins searching for other sources of work. Meanwhile, Blanche tries to lose a few pounds and Dorothy is excited when a man she once had a crush on contacts her and asks her out. Did they just think that there was too much in this episode?
0: The person that usually writes the descriptions was out uh, these two days.
1: (laughs) Somebody looked at their past work and was like, Oh, maybe I can get a raise. Maybe I can get their job.
0: <laughs> and it never But then happened. they go back two episodes later. Um <laughs> uh, uh so I didn't exactly uh Oh no, I did have an actual note, but I wanted to say something in general. So my actual note, I think this was the one there was like, was this this should have been the pilot. Something about how it was shot. And like, it felt very, let's establish the equilibrium kind of thing. And I don't know, something about it was just like, because I noted, this seems like a very early episode. So, don't yeah, really know what that was about. It's
1: episode 22. Uh, <laughs> but on um, flip side, very similar to the actual pilot, where the where did the plot go? because there's three plots, they all just fly out the window. And again, they end up at the kitchen table pulling out a bunch of food. And the comparison I make is to the the, the kids' plays when we were on tour and teaching them how to write plays. And they would just go, oh, have the characters go, oh, we should do this next. And then they do it. Oh, we should do this next. And then they do it. That's them pulling this food out. They're like, well, let's have a salami. Oh, you know what I see here? I see here, the chocolate cake. Oh, get the chocolate cake. I'm like, this is three minutes of them doing this. And also at the very beginning of the episode, I had like the gritted teeth uh, emoji and I'm scared where they're going to go with this, with the whole grief counseling thing.
0: Um, But my thing with the job listing was, I think at one point she is, uh, Rose is like, um, oh, you should keep in touch with your emotions. And then I think, At another point, I think literally minutes later, she's like, no more tears. And I'm like,
1: how do you? What? (laughs) Yeah, this, this, not only that, this, I I guess, I'm guessing this script is probably just, this script was thrown together. Just like throwing stuff at a wall and going, we got to make it. We got to make an episode. Let's go.
0: Episode 23, Blind Ambitions. Rose's sister, Lily, must deal with life as a blind person after recently losing her sight. Meanwhile, the girls hold a garage sale in order to buy a new TV but find it hard to part with things.
1: Um, I was only paying half attention at the very beginning of this episode and I heard the term amusing black family and then I went, Rrr. Um, but yeah, so A... We already did this plot with Rose, with a different person in her life, with her mother, where Rose was really scared of a person in her life not being able to get by. It's different, but it's different because it just, it toes the line of bootstraps ableism. It's not that they don't depict a heartfelt situation of a woman struck with a new disability that they're having a hard time coping with. It's the commentary of everyone else on that subject that she must learn how to do things for herself and that you are not helping her by helping her. It's like, that's not really what this is. Like, should she go to the place that, apparently the school, they said, that is gonna get her help? Yes. Does that mean that she deserves no help and it's only coddling her? Absolutely not. Um, People with disabilities should tell you what they need and you should be able to get them what they need. That's that's just as simple as it is and telling and hey, coming up with this way where she then at the end realizes like, yeah, you know, I pulled myself up and I learned and then they make a joke about her driving while blind and I'm like, no, okay. No, 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 And on top of that, the other characters spend their the rest of their time being hoarders and Rose has a microaggression to a black flight attendant.
0: I literally saw this episode with Rose. This season, we did this. We did this already. What are we doing? What are we doing here, Golden Girls? What is your actual major malfunction? Function? Why? Why do you have 25 episodes in a season and then you repeat one?
1: Why?
0: Why?
1: Episode 24, Big Daddy. Blanche's father, Big Daddy, comes to Miami for a visit.
0: This show's still going, huh? Yep. Fuck.
1: I did laugh at the joke where it's like, he's a father to everyone in town. That was kind of funny. That was that was that was tongue in cheek funny that they don't we don't see that often on the show. Um, here's the thing. This actually might be one of my favorite episodes simply because of Sophia's curse. I think that <laughs> is funny. <laughs> Sophia's curse is funny. And honestly, their neighbor is just more evidence that everyone in Florida fucking sucks. Um, like, this is my favorite subplot. Like, f- fuck the Big Daddy plot. I don't give a shit um, about any of that. And re- <laughs> like, it, it it shouldn't be a big deal that he wants to sing. Like, I don't know why Blanche is so embarrassed by that. Um, But the subplot with the curse, hilarious, fantastic, exactly what you wanted. And the twist at the end where it was the actual wife who was fucking with the guy because she knew he was wrong, even better. Like, might be my favorite episode.
0: Here, let me fix the Big Daddy plot line in two seconds, first of all. One, uh, just establish that Blanche already knows what his singing sounds like and knows he's going to be bad. I don't know why that wasn't part of it. That's just simple storytelling that she should already know. And she already
1: gave a monologue about his history. And so she should have said, yeah, he was great. But when he started singing around the campfire, everybody was like, it's time to go home. Easy done. I wrote it for you.
0: And then on top of that, a great way for this to climax is for him to have his first show, have it go to shit, but then don't have it go to shit because, you know, it was like bad, have it go to shit because everyone started laughing. And then have him be a good businessman and go, well, then I'll just be a comedic singer.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Fucking
0: that exists. <laughs> That's a thing. Not only that,
1: like country is probably one of the better genres for not being able to actually yes. sing. So yes. it doesn't even actually make internal sense.
0: Also. Also, this man's name is Big Daddy, and he's from the South. He absolutely owns a plantation. Anyway,
1: yep. episode 25. Uh-huh. Well, the way they say porch and magnolia tree, I'm like, Blanche definitely grew up on a plantation. Dear God. Oh, boy. Big Daddy's, Big Daddy's daddy owned slaves.
0: <laughs> episode 25. The way we met. One night after watching Psycho, the girls find it hard to sleep.
1: And then they do a flashback episode. Um, like, my only note is that, like, I think the Herring Circus thing in the flashback where they make fun of her is actually kind of funny. I like that they bonded over that, as is Sophia coming in at the very end of the episode with a psycho reference, because um, I like Sophia. Other than that, I don't care. <laughs>
0: uh, in terms of my note, my note verbatim is, huh, I thought I'd like this more. Right. Because I knew it was going to be a flashback. There's always potential
1: for those things. Yeah, there's always potential for that. I knew it off the title.
0: Yeah. Um, but then it just kind of... It just kind of was. Like... Also, they don't need a reason to eat cheesecake in the middle of the night. They've done shit like this throughout the whole season. Exactly. What does Psycho even matter?
1: They needed a reason to keep people up and they wanted to make the joke. That is all it is. God.
0: All right. So that's it for the episode guide. Thank fuck. So Also,
1: I've watched Psycho. It's not scary.
0: Oh my god. Oh my god. So top and lowest rated, highest and lowest rated episodes. Fucking Jesus. In terms of lowest, like fucking take your pick.
1: Several candidates. Right.
0: I mean, on principle, I'm gonna go with a little romance because you can't just have an entire episode of prejudice and shitty people being shitty to a person that is just a regular person. Come, just just let it go. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's your lowest? Do you I'm not even lowest? gonna
1: say. I'm not even gonna okay. bother sifting through it. Oh, uh, we've said we've we've made we've set our piece on the ones we don't like.
0: Yeah. My highest is Second Motherhood, just because I think the stuff with Blanche is very well handled. Uh, it's a it's a it's a storyline that's specific to the Golden Girls, in that, like, yeah, this is something that the Golden Girls would have to deal with. Um, and it's a unique situation where there's no real bad guy and it's sensitive. It's kind of touchy, and it's Blanche genuinely, kind of, you know, knowing her worth as a person, and also, objectively seeing like these kids deserve better, and you, you know, should be there for your kids as a dad. Like it's it's genuinely nuanced, and then you get the more broad storyline with the toilet, and that like, you know, it's kind of. Fun And a little cathartic because, yeah, fuck people like that that are like, you know, oh, well, men have to do the physical work around the house. Like, I genuinely the only thing is that I genuinely wanted Rose to actually be weirdly good at this.
1: Yeah, because that tracks, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Like her being handy should be a thing that like goes throughout the show. And it's just this should be the episode that establishes that, like, Rose is kind of, you know, naive and a little, you know, a little, you know, simple at times and old-fashioned and, you know, all this stuff. She's really easygoing. And then you give her a task to do and she turns into, like, you know, basically Gordon Ramsay. And she, like, is really good at stuff around the house, but she's super bossy or, you know, something like that. Like, give her a little bit of depth. And a thing you can go back to over and over again when you need to.
1: But that's something that this show is kind of missing, which is why I'm going to like, which is a good segue into what I'm going to say is my favorite episode, which I already, I already said, um, which is that like this show is missing when I think of other sitcoms that I love. There are always, and it's probably a, a time and a place thing. I think sitcoms have evolved massively in the past 40 years. Um, and so this sitcom is definitely on that loop of like, we're just going to reset the characters at the top of each episode. They have their standard static characteristics and we're going to just going to work with them every time over and over and over again. And maybe we'll progress things a little bit, but we won't do too much. And friends is like a step friends and Seinfeld are maybe like a step up from that where it's like, some things kind of do change a little bit, but not everything. Um, and then you get to like contemporary sitcoms where it's like, Oh no, like there's actually a story happening. Um, and it is progressing season to season. And that's why you come back each season. Like, um, you know, If I name like name a sitcom and I can tell you something that's like, oh, this is an iconic thing from the sitcom about a character. It defines them. It rounds them out like uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the heist rounds everybody out. Uh, Friends has all these various different like, you know, quotes um, or situations with characters. Um, And. So, so when I say that I really like big daddy, it has nothing to do with the main plot. It's because the subplot is like, I like the notion that Sophia puts curses on people and I want that to come back over and over and over again in new and funny ways, because then it gives me something to latch on to about the character. Like how I met your mother does this pretty well, where they're like, oh, this is a thing about Barney. And now we're going to play with it three seasons later, um, because it's just something that he does, um, and so, like, they don't do that here. They don't do that in any in any capacity. They just have the very, very stock characteristics. I know I'm not being very descriptive on on what this concept is, but are you following me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because um, yeah, exactly. Like, if you had if you had Rose, it's the quirk. Oh no! Here's a, here's a great way to describe it: the episode of How I Met Your Mother where everybody has has a gap in knowledge, and you get to see what it is for each character. That's really great because that tells us something about each individual character through this life concept. And so when you say, oh yeah, Rose should be super naive, but she's really good when you put her to a task and it changes her as a person a little bit and rounds her out. Having Sophia be smart enough to know that this dude is going to get really psychologically fucked up because she, as an old woman, an old Italian woman, puts a curse on him, rounds that character out in a really fun way. And that's one of why this is one of my... Genuinely favorite episodes.
0: Which episode is that, by the way? Big Daddy. Oh, oh, Big Daddy. Okay. Yes. And now, as a formality, least favorite character.
1: <laughs> least favorite character? Uh, it depends. Because here's the thing. For as many dumb shit that comes out of Rose's mouth, Blanche is still really shitty. Um <laughs> Really? Uh no no actually now that I'm saying it now that I really thought about your comment on the last pro episode I, I'm gonna give it to Rose Blanche gets some redeeming moments Blanche at least is shitty in a way that they then get to redeem her constantly Rose is coming from a point where where we're supposed to be like oh poor thing and then deal with it and I'm like no I'm not doing that like because how is Betty White the least like, least least valuable know. character in this in this whole damn thing I was shocked. I'm sorry Betty. I'm so sorry. I've
0: never heard anyone say this about the show. Like, I've never heard this before. They're like, I'm like, why did anybody say this?
1: But I can't <laughs> ignore it. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, if it was one episode, it's like, oh, that was a weird way to write her. But no, it's everywhere.
0: Rose is really just at a certain point, she starts to uh, she starts to talk and I know where her thing is going. And I just skip. I, I'm like nope. I know. I know the yeah, entire. She's gonna joke. go into a story. I know the entire joke at this point.
1: <laughs> and it's very rare. Like the times where the story is funny is like the the herring circus one. The story is funny in that one. But most of her stories are not funny. They are meant to go on for forever, so someone can say a snide remark about them.
0: So yeah, f- formality. Roses by far my least favorite character, yeah. my least valuable character. but at the And same- I think Betty White is a funny person. Yes, Betty White is but, great. A great use of Betty White is actually weirdly in that 70s show.
1: Yeah. Or like she guest stars on Community one episode and I'm like, this is great.
0: Yeah. Um. Now in terms of most valuable character, I legitimately thought Blanche was the most consistently good character.
1: Uh. Yeah, I think I can't give it to Dorothy because she's inconsistent. Dorothy is always the voice of reason. That's very clear. Dorothy is the author's voice. But that doesn't mean that I necessarily enjoy watching her. I think she is a little too jaded for most things. Um, I'm going to give mine to Sophia just because there's never a point where I'm actually annoyed or upset at Sophia. Yeah. Um, My only- not, th- not to say that like you can't be annoyed or upset with characters when they make choices, but Sophia is always... Sophia's stance on things is always justified. Like when she's like, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Like I can give you a little bit of slack here, but like, you got to let me be my own person. Or like when they're all talking about going on vacation without her and then she gets a vacation group together. I'm like, that's funny. She gets to be like slightly on the periphery, watching the craziness and gets to have her own humor and her own realism to it.
0: Yeah. Like my only thing with Sophia is that Sophia is the Phoebe.
1: Yeah, she absolutely is the Phoebe.
0: Which, like here, it's slightly annoying. In Friends, it's really a goddamn shame. But like here, it's just kind of like I mean, Sophia could genuinely be a character. Which, by the way, this kind of is a interesting segue. Apparently, there's a a sequel series to Golden Girls. Yeah, yeah,
1: where one where uh, B. Arthur's not in it.
0: I'm like, what? What the? Fu- I've never heard of this. What the
1: fuck is this? Oh. I mean, I guarantee it's just because B. Arthur left the show and they wanted to keep making more stuff.
0: Yeah, but it's just, it's so interesting because I'm like, so she left, but her mom's still here. That's how, how
1: did that happen? (laughs) I mean, that's like the two and a half men Ashton Kutcher thing. Man.
0: That's like, you know, in that 70s show where uh, fucking Eric's gone, but they still hang out in his fucking basement.
1: Yeah, and then that weird other blonde dude comes in. (laughs)
0: Randy. Uh, God damn. Using Family Guy to dunk on that 70s show is a whole different kind of fucked. (laughs) God damn it.
1: So yeah, we've said a lot of our problems with the show. Like you you Mm -hmm. went into this happy. You went into this excited. And we're having a good time to start. Yep. It was just, is it just... I really, I I do kind of, I almost wish we had a guest for this because I'm just like, can somebody lighten this up and explain to me? Because I why... think that the Because average... b- millennials really latched onto this show at one point.
0: I think it's that- Which
1: doesn't track with me.
0: I think it's that the average person does not have high standards for sitcoms. They want quick, easy jokes. They don't care about, you know, storyline consistency all that much. They don't really care about the, you know, very special episode kind of serious moments because they've been taught to not care about them because everyone makes jokes like the very special episodes, you know, like, and it's just the show's basic. The show genuinely just kind of goes for low common denominator jokes Sometimes they just repeat the structure of jokes over and over and over, like with Rose or with Blanche. It, Sorry, with Dorothy, her whole thing is that she's sarcastic. But not every time the sarcasm should be like her being like annoyed with somebody. If she's sarcastic, it should just be like, you know, habit. It should just be who she is as a character. But oftentimes the sarcasm is used to put down other people. And it's just... It's like, once you do it that same way over and over and over again, they're going to start to become contexts where you don't need to do it that way. So why are you still doing it that way? Like, it's just,
1: (sighs) it reminds me of the time that Matthew Perry hosted SNL way back when like Norm MacDonald was on there and they do a college level sarcasm class. And the sketch today is not very funny because like the, the, one of the characters the whole time is like, I feel like you all are just being mean. Um, and they're like, "Oh, no shit, Sherlock, And it's like, "Oh, okay, yeah,
0: you know, the lamp shading,
1: yeah, exactly, so it's. I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I got, I got a few episodes in and I knew, I knew I was leaning towards my actual answer, but I I was kind of sitting here like, oh, maybe I'm just not in the right place for this. Maybe I'm not in the right place for this. And so like, if I did choose to reject it, I would be like, you know what? I'm rejecting it without prejudice because I just don't want to watch anymore, but I get, and now I'm like, no, I may not even say that. No,
0: I, I don't like the, I don't like the suspense for no reason. No, I'm rejecting.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm also rejecting. Hi, hi, hi. I wanted it to be without prejudice, but damn, like there was just a lot. And I feel like there are going to be people who listen to this and they'll be like, oh, you only focused on the the dated and problematic parts. And I'm like, dude, there were enough.
0: We also genuinely pointed out when the show tackled more serious subject matter and did it with a level of care and actually, you know, did good things at some points, there were kind of highs in the show in this season but like at the same time (laughs) the more consistent thing is that it's either not that interesting or it's super dated in a bad way or it's just not that funny
1: yeah and like i want to give the golden girls props there's really not a single episode where something of note like where something worth talking about isn't talked about In fact, I know that there's a later episode in the series that people talk about where like Blanche meets, first of all, whatever happened to their gay cook in the very beginning um, in the pilot episode? He did not show up again, Um, but there's a later episode where there's a gay man involved and Blanche can't like get past it of how like openly gay he is and then she has a conversation with a straight man later who is insulting the gay character and she goes wait no i'm i'm changing my mind about this because i don't like how you're saying this this is a person and this per- so it's like I know that the show knows how to deal with stuff, especially at the time that it probably that no one else was probably saying Cheers isn't going to come out and say something about a gay character. They're not going to do that. Golden Girls was the one to do that back then, but it's still just it's not it didn't there's it did not hold up for me.
0: No. 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 (laughs) Welcome, one and all, to the Red Team Reviews Draft Lottery, where we will decide what show to review next month, or at least the next time we're set to review a show. Here's how it works. On our website, redteampod.com, as well as buried in the bowels of our Instagram at redteampod. There is a list of 60 shows divided into three categories. Comedy, drama slash action, and animation. From this scientifically curated list, we will find six potential options for our next reject or renew segment. The first two options are selected by you, our loyal listeners. If a single show gets the most votes, it's entered twice. In the event of a two-way tie, both shows that got the most votes from you at home get added to the draft. And if multiple shows tie, we break the tie in whatever way we deem most fitting. Usually some form of a dice roll. You know, because we're nerds. Next, we have two chances to continue a show we've renewed in the past. And finally, both Trevor and myself are given a pick to choose whatever show we want even if it's not on the list. So, all told, there will be six possible shows for us to review next. Two slots for a show you've chosen, two slots to continue a show we've already started, and one pick from each of us that could quite literally be anything. Well, that's all you need to know. Back to you, me. Irini... Thanks, me... So, we have now come to the best time of all, the best time of the month. Uh, It is time, once again, for the Reject or Renew Draft, once again. Uh, And this time, we're going to do things a slightly, a little bit different. Uh, Me and Trevor are going to give our picks first, Uh, so because with what I know about April... I have a very, like, I for once, for once, I'm not going to actually, like, you know, kind of hesitate and waffle on my decision. I actually know ahead of time, history made on Red Team Reviews. So, uh, based on what we're doing next month, which I don't know if I want to give away here. Though it would also make sense to hype it up. Um, Based on what we are going to do all of next month, I formally... Make for my selection a Game of Thrones.
1: My pick is also Game of Thrones.
0: <laughs> Funny.
1: <laughs> we didn't talk about this at all.
0: But also, and my pick is
1: Game of Thrones because s- I mean, yeah, okay. I think you have to tell them what we're doing next okay, month.
0: Okay, yes. Next month, at Trevor's demand, uh, is all Lord of the Rings. So because
1: Jesus.
0: What and there's way. that
1: whole thing with the metaphor of Gandalf and Jesus, um, <laughs> and also I, sorry, I had I, uh, my my reintroduction to Lord of the Rings as an adult was friends who watched it over over Easter because that was their joke about it, um, and so it's like it's always stuck with me. And I was like, if we're gonna do this, we should do it in April. It's, it makes sense. Ye.
0: So uh, yeah, because we're doing all Lord of the Rings next month, it only makes sense. To, you know, it can happen with Game of Thrones. They
1: do the adjacent thing
0: the uh the show that picked up the baton that uh was really meant for the hobbit but was not picked up by the hobbit
1: <laughs> okay um so okay so we said ours now like yeah. it's let me let me pull up i haven't even looked at the fan vote give me one second okay and like given a lot of the people who vote on the fan vote are like it's been circling like gargoyles in atlanta and stuff for For a long time, but like... (laughs) Uh, So, you want to know what the fan vote is?
0: Well, that's Game of Thrones.
1: Do do you really want to know what the fan vote is? What? Why? The fan vote's Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy! (laughs) Like I said... All of our friends vote on this and a lot of them knew <laughs> that we were doing Lord of the Rings. And so well, then, I guess they wanted Game of Thrones.
0: For the continuation, we got the same old suspects of um Friends, Buffy, Infinity Train, Scrubs, Shits Creek, Batman Did I say Batman series? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then um, oh the good place yeah oh I didn't even (laughs) completely forgot about the good place oh that's telling alright so rolling the dice officially we already got four for game of thrones and the last one is gonna oh my god Trevor what Trevor
1: what did it roll
0: Trevor it (laughs) Trevor literally says Game of Thrones.
1: The dice says Game of Thrones.
0: (laughs) The the dice says GOT.
1: Okay. So so in pick So okay, wait, 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 wait. So we gotta go with it. So the so the number one pick, the number one slot, if you roll the the D6 now, is Game of Thrones. Your pick. The number two slot for me is Game of Thrones for my pick. (laughs) The three and four slots on the fan pick is Game of Thrones. Yep. And the five and six pick for the continuation is Game of Thrones.
0: You got it, buddy.
1: Okay, so... So, okay, cool. Just making sure I get the lay of the land here. Um, so, so do you want to do... Let's do it. Let's roll that dice because I'm, I'm itching to know what it's going to be. Um, right. So,
0: we are going to roll this D6 again, which, as a reminder is either going to be Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, (laughs) Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, or Game of Thrones. (laughs) Let's roll that D6, what do we got? Oh my God, Trevor, you won again. Oh my God, yay. (laughs) Damn it, the streak is over, one and oh. It's Game of fucking Thrones.
1: That was so pain, I was so worth it for me. I don't care if anybody else finds this funny. (laughs) We knew we wanted to do Game of Thrones with Lord of the Rings a long time ago. Um, and we knew we were like, but we can't get around this with the draft. And it's so boring to just go, eh, eh, we're just going to do Game of Thrones. So I was like, and TJ was literally, he's going to cut this from the audio, was about to just say that. And I went, no, 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 no. We have to fake our way through the draft. As if it's no, Game no. of Thrones, which is which is why we had to do our picks first because because if if the renewal had picked Game of Thrones and then we did our picks, the joke would be over. Um, <laughs>
0: and then Trevor said, "No, no, put in
1: one Game of Thrones, <laughs> one." <laughs> but okay, so it just it makes sense. Okay, if we were ever going to do Game of Thrones. It 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 should have been with Lord of the Rings. They are they are they are cousin franchises in a way, Um, and it just made sense. And we're gonna do the whole episode with just that thing.
0: As we've seen with literally today's, um, it could be one and done.
1: Uh, maybe I've we've both seen all of Game of Thrones, so like you know.
0: Well, I haven't seen all of Game of Thrones, but I know what happens.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. Um, then it might just be. I mean, honestly, uh, fuck it. I'll say some commentary right now. It might be one and done just because the first season is slow. Um, well, because then it's that's why I was going to ask
0: you. Did you want to just do the first two? Then.
1: Uh, let's talk about it. It may be that that's too much of an undertaking for one episode. Okay. Um, that's all. That's my main thing because like the we would have to then say like, cool. Here's a plot line that we're just not going to talk about in this episode like when we go over the episode guide we might just be like and oh by the way also uh aria is doing this thing and we're not going to talk about it like we might have to like make agreements as to like what we will talk about and not talk about in order to get through two seasons because we made that mistake with mandalorian cool so yeah uh we just we just painstakingly dragged ourselves through a joke hopefully it lands for game of thrones
0: (laughs) (laughs) this will show Uh, my real talent as an editor
1: (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) Because as I yes, as if the last
0: two weeks did not.
1: Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh huh. Uh huh. So, let us know what you thought of Spencer. Let us know what you thought. Of, uh, if you thought Kristen Stewart should get the Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role, yes, uh, but only because I have not seen it. Literally, any other performance. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, for the meme, yes, you have to. <laughs> You literally have to... I need it so that all those videos making fun of Twilight now retroactively are hilarious <laughs> because she's a Oscar-winning actress. I need this, actually. <laughs> so let us know what you thought about Spencer. Uh, let us know what you thought about Golden Girls. Um, if you think we're... Stupid heads for not renewing it. I'm sorry. Um, And if you have favorite episodes, you know, go ahead and talk about them. Uh, I've even before I watched this season, I did watch compilations on like the best moments, uh, like the best lines, uh, I think from Dorothy specifically. (laughs) So a couple of them came up in this season. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that.
1: (laughs) Well, I think what's interesting is that like having been through Fresh Prince season three and this I'm like, oh, God, if Friends comes up again, I feel like we're going to be so much nicer to it.
0: Season two... Season two is not the worst. Season three is the worst. (laughs) Because there's a thing that happens in season three that just fucking dominates all of season three, which sucks because there are good episodes in season three, but holy fuck. Um oof, people that know, they, they know, but yeah, season two is genuinely a question mark at this point. Um, and I forget, are there, no, yeah, there is one reject. Uh-oh. Oh Oh boy. So until next time, until all that happens, uh, uh, insert Lord of the Rings reference, because I'm sorry, I'm not that guy. Um, and yeah, I've been TJ Patrick.
1: I'm Trevor Catalano. And thank you for being a friend.
0: Thank you for being a friend.
1: Anybody else notice that that theme song just feels like they're stalling by the time they get to the second verse and it's like and if you threw a party and invited everybody <laughs> you knew.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and also uh, to you you having some. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Good night everybody. <laughs>
0: Respect women.